Praise God. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I'm just glad God didn't leave me somewhere out in the pig pen of life and I got to be a part of great things going on. Amen. How about y'all? Or did y'all feel like, you know, like y'all deserve to be in the ministry and in God to bring you into the kingdom because you were so special? I don't know. Praise the Lord. Get your Bibles out. Y'all seem to be a little, a little uh, slow this morning, so I'm going to review and get y'all pumped up and get you going here this morning. Because I want to share a truth with you today that I guarantee will change your life, set you free, if you'll grab hold of it, okay? But if you're going to sit here and think about how beautiful it is outside and you can't wait to get out of here and go eat some roast and some biscuits, rolls. Then you know you're going to miss it. You're going to miss what God's doing here this morning. So everybody say, I'm not going to miss it. Punch the person beside you. They're not in the face. Just punch on them and say, wake up, man. You're going to don't want to miss this. So go to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start there this morning. I started preaching this message called Masterminds. And uh, I want every one of y'all, when I finish this series, to be masterminds, to be able to master the things going on in your mind. Because what's going on in your mind is what is going to determine your attitude. It's going to determine your altitude, how high you're going to be flying. And it's going to determine the direction you're going by what's going on in your head. Okay? And I want to show you, if you haven't been able to hear the whole series, I started this two weeks ago. And so there's two messages out there. Just go back to the archives, go into the YouTube channel, go to the website, go to the phone app. By the way, on the phone app, we got some new features. If you don't have the phone app, you need to get the phone app. All you got to do is go to the, your app store, whatever you've got, an Android or an iPhone, and go to the app store, type in the waterhole, it'll come up, download it. You get everything from Bibles to scriptures to daily readings. But what my daughter did is she put a little, a little deal. If you go to uh, Weekly Wisdom and click on it, it'll show you the broadcast that goes off on the KCTA radio station in Corpus. And uh, it'll show the five 15-minute clips that went on that week. And she does random stuff. She doesn't follow exactly what I'm preaching here. So you want to listen to a 15-minute deal, it's there. If you want to listen to the whole series, just go over there on the app there. Go to SoundCloud. Type in the, 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 the name of the, the, the message the sermon is, and then it'll pull up every one of them. You can listen to all of them, okay? So it'll, it'll really bless you. Yesterday, uh, I had a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. It, was a, it was, should be an awesome time, but it was a time. It was my 40th year school graduation, if you can believe that. Y'all don't look like I could have been in, graduated 40 years ago, but I did. And I loved it. I went, went there and all my classmates were there. I haven't seen, haven't seen some of them in 40 years and I haven't seen some of them in 20 years. And so I walked in there and nobody knew me. And I wouldn't tell them who I was. And it was just great. I sat there and, and, and then they got to telling stories and I got to denying But praise the Lord, they finally couldn't stand it anymore and said, why in the world? How did you become a pastor? And so I got to tell my testimony, got to talk to all of them. And one of them piped up and said, yeah, well, 
I listened to you on the KTCA radio station in Corpus. And I'm like, really? What a blessing, you know? Somebody's out there, didn't know it, listened to the radio station. They knew me before. Praise God. So anyway, it's a blessing. So take that app, use that app. You can, it can be a great blessing to you. But here this, this day, so I don't want to review everything, but I'm going to do a little bit of review here this morning. Philippians 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these or think on these things. So listen to me. How many thoughts have you had this past week? And then how many of those thoughts would you place in those categories that they were good thoughts, they were pure thoughts, they were thoughts of, you know, glory, hallelujah. And then stop for just a second and think, how many thoughts did you have this week is, oh gosh, my hair's not looking good. Oh, somebody's going to make fun of me. Oh, this isn't going to happen. Oh my gosh, it's gonna, this is going to take place in the world today. Oh, this is what, you know, I'm, how many, come on, just balance it out. Which way did you go? Are you going to, did you list to the side of, your, your ship is listening to the side of bad reports, and this is what you're thinking. You're kind of treading through the water at an angle. Or are you on the hallelujah, praise God ship? You know, you're just going long, praising God, man, because you're thinking on things that are pure and good and lovely. And then you say, well, pastor, I tried thinking on that, but there were so many bad things to think about. I couldn't overcome it. That's what I've been talking about. Because what happens to you is the enemy comes in as a thief, Right? He's a thief, and what is he going to steal? He's going to steal your joy. He's going to steal your peace. He's going to steal your happiness. He's going to steal your direction. He's going to steal your, 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 your vigor, your, your, your determination. That's what he's wanting to steal. And in that, he's wanting to stick a worm in your head. Hello? Because I told you this is kind of a deworming message. All right? You get a worm in your head that's just going through boring little holes in your brain, Creating avenues, creating veins of thought that he can continue to put in there and continue to flow in your life. You just need somebody, one person to come up and say something to you like, you know, I don't like you. And then that gets in there in your brain. And why didn't they like me in this? And you just go through this whole rigor of, of, of thoughts. And listen to me. You got to understand something. That is the tactic of the enemy. That is what he's wanting to do to stop you from moving forward. And you say, well, pastor, I can't just be that person who just walks down the road and thinks everything's rosy and just goes on in life because things are bad. You can't. Now, there's nothing wrong with being prepared. Hello? There's nothing wrong with making sure you have a spare tire for your car. You might have a flat. That's his wisdom. Hello? You, you don't want to just like walk out of the house and not take your, your checkbook with you, your, your wallet with you or anything when you're going to San Antonio because you just may need some cash. Oh, God will provide. Well, he did. He put money in your wallet already, so take it with you. <laughs> Let's not be foolish. I'm not talking about craziness here, but I'm talking about the thoughts that come to you that are stealing your joy and stealing your peace all the time. It's a tactic of the enemy to come into your life and to steal from you. Now, let me ask you this. Of all the bad thoughts you had this week, how many of them came to pass? I would just challenge you that most of the things you worried about, most of the things that you twisted your hands about, bit your fingernails about, were all worried about, didn't happen. Because they were just created in your mind to bring torment to you. I don't know how many times I've gone into a, a, you know, a meeting with somebody and 
or, or, or something of this nature and gone in, you know, and I, I'm just having to like comb the hair down on the back of my neck as I'm going in there, you know. I'm just, I'm thinking it's going to be bad. I'm thinking they're going to say, if they say this, then I'm going to say that. And if they say this, and I've rehearsed the whole thing. I've gone over it. Just, I mean, I mean, I go in there with aggression ready. I'm just like this. And then it wasn't even that at all. And nothing happened. And I sat for days trying to figure out, you know, if they throw a left, I'm throwing a right. And then I'm coming this way, you know. And I, I mean, I've gone through the whole thing in my mind. And why? There was nothing. It didn't happen. And what God's trying to tell us is that if you're going to walk in victory in life, you have to get to control of your thinking. You have to understand your thinking. You have to understand how the enemy's coming in and stealing your joy. Hello? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, But if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled by those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. That's his job. That's what he's doing. He's blinding your mind. That's what he wants to do. you got to understand, the devil is not going to appear in your house with his little cloven hooves and his little forked uh, tail and his pitchfork, and that guy you got to worry about. No, you got to worry about the thought that comes from some yahoo says to you that the devil is using to get in your head. That's what you got to worry about. And the word worry is wrong there. That's what you have to be on guard about, because I'm going to show you that word in a minute, garden. You've got to be on guard for that. All right? Look at the person beside you and say, yeah, he's right. So 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, we don't look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. There is this place you have to come to to where you have to know the word of God and the truths of God's word that are so real to you that you're going to have those into you when a situation arises. The first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, God has a promise for me for this. Oh, that's no big deal. Uh, Psalms 27 covers that one. Psalms 1 covers that one. Oh, you know, Luke 6 covers this one. Whatever, you get me a pop, 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 pop. It comes to your brain first, not ah! Okay? So a few more scriptures here about on last week's message. Ephesians 4.26, it says, Do not be angry, or be angry and do not sin, but let the sun go down in your wrath and give place to the devil. Your job is to not give place to the devil. That's your job, no place. He's got no place in your house. No place to stand in your mind. No place to stand speaking into your life. There's no, there's, he has no audience in your life. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. That's your job is to resist. That's your job, to resist. You don't have to pray all of heaven down and you don't have to cast into swine. You don't have to do all that on those thoughts. You have to resist them. All the time I have conversations like this. A thought comes to me, and I, I say that, and I go, oh, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not what my word says. I said, no, the word of God says this. So shut up and leave me alone. And then you know what? That thought leaves. Because I resisted. What did Jesus do when, he, when, the, when the devil came to confront him? The devil threw something at him, and Jesus said, no, the word says. And he came back and he said, no, the word says. And he says something else, the word says. If you don't have that basis of the word and what the truth of God is, yeah, you don't have much, you don't have much authority. You don't have much abilities. It'd be like going into a war. You know, I was doing some studying about uh, Alexander the Great. I, I like to read history, and, and I was reading this thing on Alexander the Great, and, and I thought this, this is funny that, that he had a whole division 
in his army, and they were called the slingers. And I thought, the slingers? And basically, they had a bag full of rocks, and they were, you know, had the, I don't know what you'd call it, the slings, right? And I thought to myself, I don't know. I, I, I just wouldn't have wanted to be chosen for that because the other portions of his army had 15-foot-long pikes. And I'm like, I would rather have a 15-foot-long stick with a short point on the end of it than a bag full of rocks, unless I got to stand in the back. Because what are you going to do when they come charging across the line at you with a sword, you know? <laughs> you know? I don't know. But they were, they were extremely accurate. They were extremely good. And they were the slingers. Not the swingers, the slingers. I know what y'all are thinking. I can see it in your face. They were the slingers. And so it just seems to me like that's not much, like I would rather have a bazooka, you know, something, right? I wouldn't want to go. And so I'm telling you, if you don't have word in you, it's like you, you, you don't have a very good weapon to just say, go away, leave me alone. Right? You don't have anything to really defend yourself with. Now, the same group of guys with the rocks, the slingers, you know, they did well in those days when everybody was on foot. But what if they were fighting in modern warfare today? And the guy across from him has an M16. Right? You're not going to have much of a rock throwing division. It's not going to last long. And that's what I'm saying. Some of you are facing the enemy who's got artillery and you're doing it with a sling. The amount of word in you is so small that it don't have anything to really send into the enemy's camp to destroy him. You know, I want the H-bomb. Are you with me? Mess with me, I drop it out of the plane. I don't want to, I don't want to. Look, I'm not a fair fighter. I've never been a fair fighter. I'm just, i am just tell you that. I've just never been a fair fighter. My whole thing was about winning, not fighting fair. There's no markets of Queensbury rules in my life. And especially not with the enemy. I don't show him any quarter, just smoke him. Well, if you don't have something big enough to smoke him with, you know, then you're just like that. You're throwing rocks in the middle of a major battle. And so you have to resist, and you're going to resist with the word. Now, Matthew 6, 25. In the King James Version, it says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, a lot of the other translations translate that word where it says thought. They translate that word worry. Take, do not worry about your life or do not be anxious for your life. And the truth of the matter is, is when you look at that word, it means, it means to take care, like to take it upon yourself and to be anxious. All right. So when, when they translate it in the King James and it says, take no thought, what they're saying is it, it shouldn't, you shouldn't become anxious about it. It should not even bring a care to you. It should not even concern you. It's funny about words and language. When we were over in Ireland, we're driving down the road and I'm, you know, I'm just white knuckled hanging on because we're on the left-hand side of the road, and I'm not used to this. And we come up to this deal, and this sign says, traffic, it's a, it's a flashing sign, traffic calming. And I look at it like, Laura said, what does that mean? No, I said to her, what does that mean? She said, I don't know, the traffic is calming. And then there's like, 
arrows and there's a, like a line on the road and it's all flashing and it says traffic calming. Now, what does that mean to y'all? But I would think that would mean like in the city, traffic is calming. It's like the traffic's easing up. It's getting better. It's not so intense. But literally, they were using the word as traffic calming, slow down. That's the spot you have to slow down for the traffic. You're, like, you're, you're reducing your speed to 40, traffic calming here. And I'm like, traffic calming? I said, oh, we can relax now. Traffic is calming. And that wasn't what it meant at all. So sometimes you can get in that and you start looking at the translations and the transliterations of the Bible and you start getting in and people want to argue about all this stuff. But you really got to look at the basis of the root word and what it meant. And when King James did that, their thinking in that day was don't take even a thought of it. Oh, don't give it a thought. We don't use that expression as much now as we used to. I used to hear my father and his age group say that, oh, don't give it a thought or don't give it a care, right? Well, that's why they translated it that way. Take no thought. What he's saying is don't let it bother you. Don't, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious for it. Take no thought. Take no care. Okay. But I love the way it says take no thought because in this message, I'm saying your thoughts are what's going to get you. And, and when they translate, they said, don't, don't even give it a thought. Think of that. Don't even give it a thought. Your level of faith should be at a place where you're not even giving your life a thought. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. In other words, the, your daily necessities. You get a bill in you weren't expecting. You know, I've told you all this years, years ago. Joseph, when he was a young boy, he broke his arm, compound fracture. And we had to go through a whole bunch of rigmarole and we had no insurance. We had nothing. And we ended up going to the, we were back at a cattle sale back in, in Palestine at that time. And we drove all the way back to San Antonio. And we've got our little boy here. And we take him in there and, and it's a bad, bad break. And God opened up a door. We, we went to the hospital and got in there and got it done. And we were getting ready to leave. And I'm thinking, how am I going to pay for this, man? How am I going to pay for this? And we're walking out. And the guy said, sir, excuse me, but aren't you a minister? And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, you know, they just had a, it just started uh, yesterday. But they've opened up, there's a grant for ministers uh, that have needs in this hospital. I said, really? And so they said, yeah. And so, uh, so I went down there, talked to the birds. They said, oh, yeah, you qualified. You just fill it up. All paid for. And I was just walking out of the hospital like, I can't believe this, you know. And it's what you did, Lord. So it all got paid for, I thought. And so then I, 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 about, you know, a month later, we get this bill from the anesthesiologist for some reason. He wasn't included in the deal. And so I remember, forget this, I opened it up and I, I was so boastful. I was like, my God, you delivered me from all this thing. You can take care of this. I don't know what this bill is, but I can, it's, it's no big deal to you. And I ripped that thing open, and I flopped it open, looked at it, it was $450. And at that time, when we had nothing, I wasn't even making that in a week. And uh, I looked at it, and I was like, oh, God, $450. And I mean, I just fell apart. <laughs> I just fell apart. It just overwhelmed us. And I was like, oh, God, $450. I mean, it might as well have been 50000 okay, to me, because I didn't have any money. And so, and I remember that thing just overwhelmed me. And the reason why it did was because I was boasting of what God had done, but down inside of my heart was really not the truth of God's word that he would provide for me. And so what happened was when I got confronted, 
See, you can always stand over there and say, yeah, you come on over here and I'll whip you. But then when he comes over there, it's like, okay, now wait a minute, hold on. Right? And when that bill hit my table and it came into my house, like, ah, and I'll never forget. It took me weeks to overcome and weeks to get in there and say, Lord, I, what am I talking about? Why am I getting anxious? Why am I taking thought about this thing? Because you provided for that. Look what you did. I had to calm myself down and get it. But, but I, folks, that's how we live, have to live our lives. And if you just get overcome and then let that overcome you and let those worms get in your head then they're just going to keep boring. They're just going to keep making other avenues and other tracks in your brain to just get more and more and more junk in there. And that's why we're crazy. Look at the person beside you and say, he must be talking about you. I mean, I'm preaching good here. I'm telling you some good truth. And I'm just telling you what I've walked through in life because it's happened to me. Now... You know, life goes on and I see God moving and, and, and my faith gets stronger because I know his word and I've seen him provide and I've seen him do this and that and the other. And so, you know, now it doesn't now a $450 bill unexpectedly wouldn't strike me as. Whew, right. So look here, Philippians 4, 6. The same word here is he says, be anxious for nothing. It's actually the same word used over in Matthew 6 about don't take thought. It's the same word. He says, be anxious for nothing. Okay, so don't be taking thought about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he's giving you an answer here. He's saying, look, don't sit around worried about it because that's not going to get you anywhere. Tell it to God. Resist that thought. And go to the Lord in prayer. So this is how it works. Now, if you don't put it into application, it's not going to work. Y'all all know you can go. Somebody could give you a new whatever, truck, car, whatever. Give you the finest, finest, the finest, <laughs> the finest, fanciest car that there is out there. Okay. Put it in there. Give it to you. And then all of a sudden you start noticing that gas gauge is going down. It's going down. It's going down. You got a quarter of a tank left. You get, man, you're going down. You know what? That car's not going to run forever. You're going to have to break down, put some fuel in it, or you're not going to get to use it. Well, just like that, God gave you all of his promises. He gave them to you, but it's up to you to use them. And you're going to have to put some gas in it. You're going to put some faith behind the promises and not, not, you're going to have to take some time in prayer, praying and by faith, believing God to do something. If you want that car to keep going. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, man, that's a good thought. I like that one. I got that one down. Okay. So what does 1 John 5, 14 say? Now, this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. Come on, say it like you mean it. Confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence we have in him. That's you talking about your daddy. This is the confidence we had in him. That if, he, if we ask anything, everybody say anything. anything. Now, listen to me. I'm telling you, I'm just preaching. This isn't the doctrine of Robert. Listen to me. This is not the doctrine of Robert. This is not the doctrine of Living Waters Church that we just made up. This is the Bible. It don't make any difference what translation you read it in, what words you read in. This is a promise to you. It's up to you to have faith and believe it. It says, now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
Just leave it at that for right now. That means if you ask God and you're talking to God, there's not anything you can ask him that he doesn't hear you. He doesn't ignore you. So I'm not listening. Talk to the hand. That means you can have a conversation right now with the God that created the heavens and the earth and all they're in. Are you following me here? What power and authority you have? What abilities you have that you can talk to heaven? And God will hear your prayer. Look at the next verse. 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. What are you going to do with that scripture, huh? You're going to just exacto it out of your Bible because you can't, you don't think it works? Or are you going to highlight it and get it down into your heart and come into your prayer closet and stand there and say, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you hear my prayers. Woo! God, God's hearing my prayers. Oh, excuse me, Lord, has it got a little out of control there? What are you going to do? Is it true? So then you can't say, I don't know what's going on. God doesn't seem to answer me. He doesn't hear my prayers. No, that's a lie. It's from the pit of hell. That's the worm that got run into your head. Because it just says right there, if you ask anything, he hears your prayer. And then there's that stupid doctrine. It's out there. Well, sometimes God says no, because he wants you to suffer through this life. So that he can, he's going to teach you some things by putting the screws to you. Folks, listen to me. That's wrong. If my heavenly father who loved me so much he'd send his own son to die for me wants to torment me, that ain't right. James says that everything that comes down from God is good. God's not out to get you. Hear me now. God is not out to get you. He is not out to get you. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to put the screws to you. He's not out to torment you. He's not taking some situation and trying to let you stay in it and fly for as long as you can, just sizzling the pan until you're just ready to come out. He's not doing that. That's not God. That is not his nature. God does not do that. Now, sometimes some of us are hard-headed. Sometimes some of us won't give up our ways. Sometimes some of us won't yield to what God would love to pour into our lives. And so we keep creating a heaping up problems upon ourselves. Hello? You know, you, you tell a child all the time, the first thing you tell them, well, you don't tell them now because, see, parents are making a mistake. They just buy those little cover-up plugs you stick in the electrical socket. All right? So you don't have to tell the kid anymore, don't stick your finger in the socket. But when I was growing up, you were told by your parent, don't stick your finger in the socket. They didn't have that little protected cover, right? Don't put something in there. You mess with that thing, you're going to get shocked, right? And you were told that over and over and over. But if you do it, if you as a child suck your finger in a socket, you're going to get shocked. And you know what? If you crawl back up there and suck your finger in there the next day, you're going to get shocked again. And the more you keep sticking your finger down that, that, in that socket, the more you're going to keep getting bit. Hello? And sometimes we Christians don't have enough sense to quit doing something. And we keep sticking our finger in the socket, expecting it to do something else. When God's saying, please quit sticking your finger in the socket. Just food for thought there. So 1 John 5.18, 1 John 5.18 says, we know, that, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who is born of God keeps himself. And the wicked one doesn't touch him. Are you keeping yourself? Are you keeping yourself in the power of God? Or are you keeping yourself where you need to be? Hello? 
So last week we talked about fear versus faith. I'm not going to even go, I'm, not, I'm going through those scriptures real quick so I can preach something new to you today. So I want you to go to John 10.10. 10. So we talked about fear versus faith last week, and today we're going to talk about poverty versus abundance. The worm of poverty that got into your head that says you don't deserve anything. Listen to me, I want to tell you something. Some of the happiest people I've ever known on the face of the earth were living in what we would call poverty. They didn't have much. But I want to tell you something. Poverty is not, poverty is, does, is not determined by how much money or assets you have. Poverty is determined by your thinking. Because I've seen some people that have a lot of money and are so stingy, they wouldn't help an orphan off the street. They're miserable. They think everybody's trying to get their money. They're so busy trying to protect their money and all the things about their money that, that their money is just, you know, it, it, it's consuming them. And they're not happy. And I've seen other people. I'll never forget it. One time I was in Mexico. We were down there preaching, and, and we, we had to stop and check on this lady. And she was so happy that we came. And she was so excited. And her big deal was she wanted to feed us. And, and she, we went into her. She said, come into my new kitchen. I just, my sons just built me this new kitchen. We walked into this little bitty room. Man, it wasn't maybe six foot wide by 10 foot long. And it was some new tin on it and some old boards. And the floor was dirt. And there was, there was two roosters sitting on the kitchen table. I'm talking live ones. And she shooed them out of there and ran a couple old tomcats out of there, ran them out of there. And then she kind of wiped everything down and she wanted to prepare a meal for us. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, God, don't let it kill me. I mean, this lady, you want to do this with Jesus, Jesus, don't let this thing kill me. And I was so praying about, you know, I wasn't going to die. But I watched this lady, and she's prepared us a meal, which is just simple tacos and stuff. And, and, and she did that. She was so happy. And so we started asking her, why are you so happy? And she said, oh, man, I got up this morning. I was praying. And God, he so loves me. And he so takes care. And she had this great, and she was just so happy. She was that one of the happiest people I've ever met in life. But lived in what? to us would seem in poverty. Why? Because she had an abundance mentality. She knew that God was blessing her. She knew that she was the head, not the tail. She knew she was, a, she was blessed. John 10, 10 says the thief wants to come and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you and he wants to destroy you. That's what he wants to do. His job, his tactic in life is to kill, so destroy. But what does it say? But I have come, Jesus speaking, I have come, that you may have life and you may have life more abundantly. You know how much abundance is? More than you need. And it's almost, in, 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 the, in the word, when you look up the word, what it really means, abundance means it's so much, it's actually like it's got to be a problem. Like you don't have any place to put it. It's such an abundance. You don't have a big enough storage room. You can't get a big enough bank account. You have so much blessing that blessing is overflowing you, and you got blessing everywhere. You're oozing in blessing. Now, how many would you like to live there? How many would you like to live there in a blessing of abundance like that? Abundance of love, abundance of grace, abundance of friends, abundance of finances, abundance of revelation. See, this abundance, listen, just when you start talking about abundance, it doesn't necessarily just only mean dollars. Abundance has, man, you've got such an abundance of joy you can't quit laughing. 
You have such an abundance of faith that mountains just keep moving around you? Folks, this is what Jesus wants you to have. Jesus wants you to have that kind of abundance in your life. But it's the thief that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Abundance of fruit. Plant and garden. You have an abundance of vegetables. Everything's in abundance. Everything you do is abundance. I like that. I want abundance. I want to live in abundance. But you're not going to walk in abundance until you believe that Jesus wants you to be abundant. Now, I want to show you something. I want to go to Deuteronomy 28, Old Testament, because the best way to show you this is to show you what the old covenant was. This is old covenant. This isn't the covenant you have. You have a covenant, according to Hebrews, it's built on bigger and better promises. So I've got to show you the old promise, because it's very descriptive. In Deuteronomy 28, 1, he says, you shall not, it shall come to pass that if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. They'll come upon you and overtake you. Overtake you. I don't know what y'all think, but overtaking to me the, the image I get immediately is I'm running, and somebody's running faster than me. And they tackle me. They overtake me. Like I said, we just had a reunion. We went to the, to the football game Friday night, and I was looking at her, and I, and I was standing there with one of my friends. Said, yeah, I remember that perfectly right there. I, never, I, I just remember. We were playing this school from San Antonio, and I was a linebacker, and this guy, and as a quarterback came out, I said, he's going he's gonna to do a pass. He's going to pass. He's gonna. And I looked, and I saw it, and I just ran, and I just jumped up. Whew, perfect interception. I hit the ground. I was started running for the, the goalpost. I was running. I was running. I was running. And then I was like, it was like a bad dream. I couldn't run anymore. I was like, I was like man, I was pumping, but I was not going where I could not figure out what was wrong. And there was three guys that had hold of the back of my jersey. And they were just they were just skidding on the ground, holding me down. And I knew what was about to happen. And in a minute, here I go, boom, this guy just run over me. And so I was so happy, made this beautiful interception, felt like I was king of the world. Went over to the sideline. The coach said, man, Robert, why didn't you run? I said, what do you mean, why didn't I run? I was running. And he said, look like you were standing still over there. I said, Coach, I was running with all my heart. I was running, man. He said, well, I guess those other guys are just that fast. <laughs> and so we watched the film, and it was just like that. I come, I catch the pass, and I'm running. I'm making some ground. These other guys just go. Whoo-doo. I never forgot it, being overtaken. So I like it this way. I turned it around in my brain. I used the negative for the positive, and I said, you know, that's how I want the blessings of God to overtake me. That no matter how much I'm running where I'm going, Lord, you're just going to run so much faster and you're just going to overtake me. But that's what it says. He goes on, he says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flock. You see that the blessing was not just contained to you. 
It was contained to everything that belonged to you. So your cows are having more calves, your sheep are having more lambs, everything is being blessed, your crops are producing much. This is what he's saying. The abundance doesn't just happen to you, it happens to everything that's yours and around you. It just starts being abundant. That's abundance. Blessed shall you be when you come in, blessed shall you be when you go out. Hey, I like that. That means nobody's taking advantage of you. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise, that rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come in one way, and they're going to flee seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your storehouse and all that you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. All these peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods, the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of the ground and in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up to you as good treasures, the heavens to give the rain and, uh, to your land and its seasons and bless all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. And if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside to any word which I command you this day, to the right or to the left or any other gods. Now flip that picture up there for me. And so he says you're going to be the head and not the tail. Hello? I want you to kind of get that image in your mind right there, that cow looking at you. All right. You're going to be the head not tell. Now, if you've ever worked around animals, it's always better to have the head. <laughs> Unless you're dealing with zebras. Because a zebra, when he bites, he will not turn loose. So if you get bit by a zebra, he ain't going to ever turn loose. But the majority of times, it's always better to have the head, not the tail. Especially if it doesn't have horns. Right? Because you're going to get kicked. In the back, you're going to have other things happen to you in the back. You want the head. And God says, you're the head, not the tail. You're above, right? You're riding on the back of the horse, not underneath being trampled by the horse. Right? What I'm trying to say to you is God says, this is old covenant. But the very last of that says, you shall not turn aside from any of the words that I command you this day to do right and to go with other gods to serve them. So the enemy comes in immediately and says, see, there's what your problem is. God's not going to bless you like that because you don't do everything right. And so then all of a sudden doubt comes. Well, that's right. I knew, you know, I should. I had those bad thoughts the other day, and I said, you know, oh, I shouldn't have done that, and I guess it's the reason why I'm not being blessed. See, the worm's working his way in your head, and he's starting to get in there, and he's starting to work in there and work in there, and he's starting to, to get you to walk in doubt and unbelief. Because if you walk in doubt and unbelief, he's got you right where he wants you. So he's starting to work his way in. He's starting to work his way in and twist you and turn you and get you around there just where he can just get you right so that you still are a Christian, but you're not walking in the blessings of God. So he says, you're just not right. So let me destroy that thought right quick and kill that worm for you today. A scripture that we quote all the time in salvation and giving altar calls, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. It says, well, what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, 
you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you notice that we use this all the time in making altar calls for people to come to give their lives to Christ? But look what it says. He says that if you confess with your mouth, if you do something with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you become right with God. Hello? Just think about this. You become right with God. So then if you're right with God, how can you be wrong with God? It's like quiet, like a vacuum got sucked in here. Just took the air out of this place. Hear what I'm saying. Well, you you can be wrong with, you know, you can not be right with God because, you know, you didn't do things that were right. You didn't know. Well, wait a minute. So I guess the blood of Jesus doesn't have any power to make you right with God. See, I'm trying to kill this worm. I'm giving you some Holy Ghost worm killer right now. And you can either take it or not. You can be like one of those sheep that won't open their mouth. You're trying to drench them, and they will not open their mouth. You know, and I don't want to have to go down there and pinch your jaws open, try to get the, the deal down there. Dad, I want you to eat this and, and be, you know, hope, I'm trying to make it palatable for you. But you see, when you got a worm in your head that's saying God's not answering your prayers because you don't do things right, then what happens is that worm's got a place and root that he can always kick your feet out from under you because he's like, I, don't you remember what you did? You know what you remember that thought you had? <gasps> oh, you drank a beer. <laughs> God's not going to answer your prayer. So once you only could get right with God once and get saved. You can't get right with God all the time. You can't have a daily relationship with the Lord where you're right with him. You see, the worm wants to say, no, you can't. That's when your prayers aren't getting answered. Well, then get right with God. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Why not? What a novel idea. Let's just get right with God again. Lord, I want to be right with you. I love you. Jesus, praise you. I want your blood over there forgiving me my sin. Woo! Now I'm right with God. You see how the enemy tricks us? He tricks us into thinking that you're not. And then, then they spend years trying to figure out why they're not right with God and they got to do penance and they got to do all this stuff. And they're going through all this motions and the enemy's like, you're, so, you're such a good sheep because I can just lead you off. And God's saying, no, no, come back, come back. Just get right with God, repent. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Start all over. Be Colossians 1.21. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. You were alienated by in your mind. Do you see what's going on, folks? You're not changing positions. I'm Robert Richards, all right? I'm not, I, 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 I'm not changing my position. But what I'm thinking in my head changes my spiritual standing. Y'all don't know how hard it was being yesterday at my 40-year uh, reunion, denying everything. <laughs> I mean, I blamed it on everybody. No, that wasn't me. No, I didn't do that. No, no, that wasn't me. I know it wasn't me. It must have been him. No, it wasn't me. And they're like, how did you become a preacher? 
And I said, well, you know, I was the life of the party then, and I'm still the life of the party. It's just a different party. Because you get alienated in your mind. So what are you going to do? You're going to come over here and party in the kingdom of heaven? Is every day going to be a blessing? Are you going to not alienate yourself from the life of God? Well, what's going on in your thinking? Repent. Believe God. Walk in his abundance because that's what he wants for you. It says, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you. To present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. You know, most of the time in life, I've met a few, a few people that maybe took this to the extreme, and, and they were a little arrogant, religiously arrogant. And I don't, I don't care much for that. I don't care for much any kind of arrogance. But... Um, the majority of time, I can say that's not the truth. The more, majority of Christians I have met in life, the devil has alienated them from the life of God by thoughts in their process that they're not good enough to be in the kingdom of God. And I would say that has been the, the, my understanding of the majority of Christians. Not the other way. There's a few religious idiots I've met in life. But majority of time, most Christians don't believe they're worthy of anything that God would give them. And they don't want to walk in abundance because they don't believe that might be the right thing to do that they, 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 because they've got poverty mentality and they don't believe that having abundance you know, would look right in the kingdom. It's a lie about being humble before God. You need to be poor. No, you just don't need to be arrogant. Hello? I want as much money as I can get my hands on. I do not love money because the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. It didn't say money was evil. It said the love of money was the root of all evil. Money is a tool. Money is a tool. Hear what I'm saying. Money is a tool. I rescue orphans with money. I save lives with money. I feed children with money. I, with money, we're going we're, we're gonna to do some crazy things. I've asked the Lord. I want a line of credit in heaven for $900 million. That's what I want, a line of credit that I can give away, $900 million. I want to at least by the time I get to heaven have given away the $900 million. Why not? He said abundance. To me, $900 million would be an abundance. But you know, the more I start toying with the figure of $900 million, the more I start thinking it's not enough, to be honest with you. I start getting in there because I start looking at, you know, people are in the billions, right? And so I thought, well, 900 million, that, I mean, that's shy of a billion. And these people have multiple billions and another billion on top of that billion, I mean, two billion, that's getting pretty, pretty abundant. I mean, folks, I'm telling you, I could spend $900 million dollars. Probably in two years, unless it made interest on me. You know what I'm saying? Before I got rid of it. But I could, I got, I've got the wherewithal for that. And we would be rescuing orphans and whipping and snorting like you cannot imagine. The devil would wake up every morning and say, Oh God, Robert's up. Instead of Christians waking up and saying, Oh God, the devil's going to get me today. He'd be, he'd be shaking when I walk because I would be smoking. 
Y'all would just have to keep me here because I'd just be flying everywhere with wads of cash. I'd make Pablo Escobar look like a, just a half pint. I'm serious. I want abundance. I want to wade through it. I want to stuff my mattress with it. So I got it right there, pull it out and throw it out. You see what I'm saying? It's your mindset. What do you want to do? Just think about it. What do you want to do in life? Do you want to have abundance of joy? Or do you want people not to want to talk to you on the phone? Oh, God, it's so-and-so. I can't deal with him today. I can't. I can't deal with him. Or do you want to say, or do you want the person you call to say, oh, it's them. Oh, God, they call me. They're going to have a good word for me. Yes. Abundance of finances, abundance of, you know, blessings. You just walk into a hospital and pay off everybody's bill. Get them healed and then pay the bill. That would even be better. Walk in there, lay hands on them, heal, get, get them healed. Then just go out there and say, here, just take care of y'all's problems. and Your inconvenience, here's some money. Put a new wing on the hospital. Just call me when it gets full so I can come pray for them all. Are you following what I'm saying? Why not? Why not? Why not go into a restaurant and, and just with and, and buy other people's food? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Why not live in the abundance? If our God creates in, in heaven and earth and all therein, and he paves streets with gold, and, and he is this God of abundance, this God of graciousness, why shouldn't we have an abundance mentality? And the only reason why we don't is because the devil has stolen from us what's ours. Because he wants you down. He does not want you to be the head. He wants you to be the tail. He does not want you on top, above. He wants you beneath. He wants you living in that. And those worms have eaten in your head. And so every time you try to move forward, he separates you by saying, oh, well, but, you know, God's not going to answer that prayer because, you know, who, he knows what you did last night. He knows what you were thinking last night. He knows what you dreamed last night. He knows what you were saying last night. He knows the way you acted when you were in traffic the other day, and he's not going to answer that prayer. <laughs> he knows the thoughts you had. Hello? And so you're like, that's right. Well, I'll just try to do the best I can. And all I want to say to everybody out there listening and watching and everybody in here, listen to me. If you disagree with me, you don't believe what I'm preaching today. If you're out there and you're listening and watching, you don't believe what I'm preaching today. Well, then just live in poverty, but just shut up and leave me alone. Go crawl in your cave, go crawl in your hole and eat your crackers and chips and eat your little porridge. The other thing that happened to us when we were in Ireland is, you know, we'd gotten to trying to eat healthier before going over there. And so we were eating oatmeal in the morning for breakfast. So the guy said, oh, yeah, we have oatmeal over here on the buffet. So I said, oh, okay, we've got oatmeal. I'll go eat oatmeal. So I go over there and I looked in the pot. It didn't look right. You know, I just looked in there and said, oh, it don't look right. And then I tried to scoop it up and it was just, yeah. And then I plopped it into the bowl and then I felt of it and it's cold. Cold, slimy oatmeal. And I went and I sat down and I shoved it over my arm. I said, man, this is what they call oatmeal. Look at this stuff. I said, they call it porridge. And I don't know what porridge it came from, but it, man, this stuff is not good. And I thought to myself, and I began to sit there and watch people just scooping that stuff up and eating it like it was good. 
And I thought, there's, you know, there's not any amount of sugar or honey or anything you could put on that stuff to make it eat edible. Right? This is where I'm looking at it. And I watch them just do it and eat it. And then I thought, I guess that that's all you've ever had in life. You've never had it warm? Put a little butter in there, you know? And it's all warm and it's not all snotty looking, you know? <laughs> Y'all know I was just waiting for me to say that. And I thought, that's why they're eating it, because they don't know any better. And I'm telling you today, you can warm up the porridge. I'm telling you today, God has good things for you. You don't have to eat that stuff. You don't have to do it. Don't eat it. And then I got to noticing on the menu, you could order oatmeal. And so I asked him, I said, what's the difference between this and over in that pot? And the guy said, well, this costs a little bit more here. And, and it's, but, you know, it's warm. Like, how much more does that cost? Well, it's, you know, it's $2. I was like, you poor suckers. For $2, you're going to eat it. Why did you even make it? Is what I want to ask you. Why did you even make it and put the cold, snotty oatmeal over there? Call it porridge. And they just eat it. I'm tired. I'm not going to eat cold oatmeal. I don't want you to eat cold oatmeal. I want you to know that there's something better in life for you out there. Don't live in poverty. Don't let the devil rip you off and steal and get a worm in your head and steal you from walking in abundance. God wants you to walk in abundance, church. And you can be right with God, and he'll hear your prayers and answer your prayers anytime you go to him. But just go to him. Don't let the worms eat your abundance. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bible up. Stand up if you would. Look at the person beside you say, I ain't eating cold oatmeal. You know what it reminded me of, church? If you've ever, if you've ever seen, and this is the truth, if you've ever seen anybody do wallpaper, The glue they mix up that's watery that they put over the walls that's going to stick the wallpaper, that's what that stuff looked like. A little bit lumpier. Is that right? Raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. I'm not sure. <laughs> so anyway, why do that? Why eat it? Church, I'm telling you today, don't eat it. Walk in the abundance of God. Walk in what he's got for you. Don't let the worms eat it and steal it from you. Amen. So I want you to grab that person's hand beside you. If you're listening or watching out there, I want you to grab hold of this prayer too. Look, if you're not right with Jesus, if you don't know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're not right with him in your heart, well, that's the first place to go, what I read, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, to ask him to come into your life. If you're out there watching or listening, just know right where you are, you can ask Jesus to come into your life. Just stop what you're doing and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to come and forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the son of God. And right there, if you truly mean it, the spirit of God will come upon you and he'll touch you right where you are. If you're in here today, as soon as I get through praying, my prayer team's going to come down here and they're going to be up front. We'll, we'll pray with you about anything. We'll believe God for you with anything. But if you're in here today and you're not sure you're right with God, well, we're going to be here to pray with you. Just come down front and we will. But listen to me. I want to pray over the worms in your head. The thoughts that have come into your life 
And if you're willing to walk in abundance, I believe today God will change you. He will cleanse you. He will kill out those worms and set you free. If you'll grab hold of faith through this prayer. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every person in here. I pray for every one of them, Lord, the thoughts that they've had in their minds, the things that have stolen from them through uh, 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 thought patterns, uh, events in life, whatever has come about them, Lord God, that you this day would break those worm thought patterns. Today, that that would be broken in poverty, and Lord, they would walk in the abundance that you have for us. They would walk in the abundance of grace and walk in the abundance of mercy and walk in the abundance of finances and walk in the abundance of love and walk in the abundance of charity, just walk in the abundance of everything that you have for us, Lord, that we would be Christians that are such blessings that truly it would be known around this world. That, God, you have touched our hearts, and all the glory would go to you. So, Lord, bless them this day. Deliver them. Break those yokes in their life. Let us walk in the abundance of God. And, Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Prayer team, if y'all could come down and be here. Anybody needs prayer, we're here for you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.